You're listening to the Smoke Signals Podcast, hosted by Jake Dungan and other IBI contributors. We're talking tribe. Well, good day, good afternoon, and good evening. Wherever and whenever you happen to be tuning in, we are glad to have you aboard. I'm Jake Dungan. Senior contributor for Indians Baseball Insider, welcoming you to this week's edition of the Smoke Signals podcast. And we got a lot to discuss in this week's show. Um, some good, some bad, some ugly, but uh, hopefully, overall, we'll end up end on a positive note as the Indians are playing well overall. You know, they're ten and seven. They're leading the division. They're right about where we expect them to be as far as uh, record and division standing go. Right now, there's still some concern, some cause for concern, but we got some new faces on the team, some old faces coming back from injury. Uh, so things are starting to look up overall. It's just still some uh, rough edges to be smoothed out. And here to talk to me, as always, about what's going on with the tribe and all the storylines and headlines and breaking news from this past week, uh, Editor-in-Chief for Indians Baseball Insider, Justin Lotta. Justin, how's it going? Hey, it's good. I'm actually currently watching the innings as we record this. It's the first time this week that I'm able to watch a full nine innings because they're playing on the West Coast. So this is a much better day than it has been, even though the innings have won. That's much nicer to actually watch a full game. Yeah, this has been a kind of a strange road trip. I mean, they go into Kansas City and pretty much embarrass themselves. Uh, pitching was a real issue. And then, as we see Carlos Gonzalez right now get get a hit, um, that him that with him now joining the team coming up from AAA, uh, and this road trip started in Detroit and they played pretty well there, and now they're looking to sweep the Seattle Mariners as we record this. They're uh, they've won the first two games and they're up one nothing here in the seventh inning. So uh, overall, it was a Decent road trip. There were some concerns about the pitching, which we'll get into in a second. Corey Kluber and Carlos Carrasco haven't looked that good so far this season, although Carrasco is, seems to be really locked in tonight here on Wednesday. Uh, so definitely nice to see that. Uh, what what have you been taking away from this road trip and uh, this season overall in the early goings? Uh, it seems like we've seen a little bit of everything as far as the good and the bad and... Uh, you know, what this team could be versus, you know, what kind of uh, shortcomings they have right now. Well, first of all, I think we've already had the low point in the season, which is good, and that was getting shut out by Homer Bailey and Ian Kennedy. Um, I guess Wally Peralta is included in that because he closed that game, but he is a decent enough pitcher. But the fact that the Indians could not get – I think they had two hits that day against Homer Bailey, who – the Reds basically just took out a bunch of salary to get rid of, and the Dodgers sent home just because they – the Dodgers who have, you know, Clayton Kershaw, who's been hurt a lot, and Rich Hill, who's been hurt a ton, and Hanjin Ryu, who's been hurt a ton, and Julio Rios has been hurt a ton. They felt like they couldn't even get anything from Homer Bailey. They just sent him home, and the Royals picked him up. And then the Indians got two hit by him. That's, and, and Chris Davis, the Chris Davis, not, not you know, K.H., Chris Davis from Oakland, but the Chris Davis, who was, what, over 51? He had three hits himself the day the Indians got two hit by uh, 
Homer Bailey. So that was that was the low point in the year. So in my mind, the season's only going to go up from here, and it has since that day. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess to be fair to Homer Bailey, he's a guy who has two no hitters under his belt. So uh, I mean, if, if every once in a while, I guess he's able to find it. If it's once every couple years, that maybe that that was this was the night for it. But uh, I don't know. I mean, he was throwing ninety five. I didn't. I I assumed Homer Bailey was. You know, throwing eighty nine, ninety, and was a shell of his former self. But he he looked okay, but still had to come against the Indians, right? Right, exactly. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, that Kansas City series was ugly from the get go. And I remember uh, uh, my fiance and I were out to dinner uh, last week. I think it was on Friday, and Caras- it was during Carrasco's uh, last start. And he didn't even make it out of the first inning, and I don't even remember what the score was. It was like five nothing or six nothing by the time Carrasco was pulled from the game, uh, with two outs in the first, and it was just ugly. And I wasn't even paying attention to the game anymore after that. And um, it was just not a great series for the Indians, but uh, you know, hopefully they're looking to be eleven and eleven and seven by the end of this road trip. So. Uh, Things are overall still okay as far as the standings and everything else. They've kind of battled through what hopefully will be the worst of this season with all the injuries they've had and they've had to endure having guys like Eric Stamets in the everyday lineup and Max Moroff and you know that's it's been a it's been a battle and this team has uh, overall I think worked through it pretty admirably and as we mentioned in previous podcasts they've shown some nice resilience battled back in a lot of games and so it's good to see that it's good to see now that guys like Jason Kipnis are back and you know Carlos Gonzalez is up Francisco Lindor is down in AAA already has two hits including a homer he's close to getting back and you know unfortunately we've lost Mike Clevenger for uh significant period of time but other than that uh things are starting to come together or about as good as they could be given the circumstances yeah i mean they're they're getting healthy and you know i guess except for the exception of um mike clevenger unfortunately they're getting healthy but offensively they're getting into it and and it's early and i don't want to jinx it but the bullpen's been a really pleasant surprise and i think you guys noted it on the Farm Report podcast. That there, there could be help on the way, even. So, I think that's a nice surprise to have this year. The bullpen has been pretty solid, and they've needed it because, you know, the injury to Clevenger, and then the offense has been pretty bad overall. Right. I mean, the team just now got up over the Mendoza line in batting average. They were batting below the uh, Mendoza line for most of the season, and striking out a lot. Although that's pretty much pretty much uh, afflicting most of the major leagues. I think I saw a stat earlier in the game where uh, s- s- overall strikeouts are up across baseball, continuing that upward trend over the last several years where I think in April, in March and April of this year, strikeouts I think are at uh, one every point, 4.3 plate appearances. And uh, last March and April, uh, in 2018, they were at I think 3.9, or maybe it's the other maybe it's the other way around. I think it was 4.3 uh, 
last year and now it's down to 3.9. So uh, things are things are on the rise right now with strikeouts so everywhere. So the Indians are just falling in line with that trend. But other than that, it's been a it's been a matter of just trying to get the bat on the ball consistently and making the most of uh, the hits that they are able to of the hits that they are able to uh, connect with and. You know, I think getting Ramirez starting to get on track a little bit, hitting the ball hard, getting guys like Carlos Gonzalez, Jason Kipnis, and then eventually Francisco Lindor up, I think will help. It's just trying to see if they can find the right balance with that lineup. Hopefully no more of Tyler Naquin batting third those few days that we were railing against that and why that made no sense. But, uh... It hasn't all it hasn't all been good and one of the things that uh actually didn't go so good off the field was the Indians uh designated uh Brad Miller for assignment in favor of uh bringing up Jason Kipnis and they did that instead of uh sending down Eric Stamets or Max Moroff at the time. Stamets of course is back at AAA now, uh in favor of calling up Mike Freeman, which we'll get into in a second. But uh, for as far as Brad Miller is concerned, when the team uh, uh, broke the news to him that they were going to designate him for assignment, he basically came came out and talked to the media and said, uh, in essence, uh, quote, they obviously don't want the best players up here. And, you know, given all the uh, backlash the Indians have seen this offseason for their uh, payroll cutting for the comments of Paul Dolan, you know, seeing uh, a player speak out like this just doesn't uh, doesn't uh, bode well with an already strained fan base with this uh, organization's uh, recent decision. So, uh, what do you make of uh, Brad Miller's comments? And do you think that may- that he has a point, and maybe that the Indians shouldn't have given up on him so soon, and maybe? Uh, consider sending down Stamets or more off in favor of keeping him around since he had uh, more success at the plate early on? Yes and no. I mean, it really depends on your on the preference of the Indians or anybody in general. Um, I haven't watched. Brad Miller plays shortstop in quite a few years, but the numbers say he's not good at shortstop. And the Indians, what is, they, sent, they did send Stamets down eventually anyway, obviously. But if you're going to use Brad Miller as your utility infielder, and he really shouldn't be a shortstop except for emergencies, that means you're starting Max Moroff. Or you think you can, if you think Brad Miller's offense is good enough where he makes up for his defense. But for me, I think of this like the Indians signed him, and, and they knew Jason Kipnis was going to miss two weeks of the season or three weeks of the season. And it's not like he didn't know that. Jason Kipnis was not going to come back and reclaim his spot. I mean, Jason Kipnis is making $14 million. If the Indians could have gotten rid of Jason Kipnis by now, they probably would have. But nobody wants to take on that contract. That's, we've been living this for two years now. So he had to have known that Jason Kipnis was coming back and reclaiming his spot no matter what. And he just assumed that if he played well enough, they'd find a way to keep him. Well, it's kind of hard for you to have two left-handed hitting second basemen on a single roster logistically when you already have a ton of left-handed hitting as it is, I just better worry about a play. And he's going to sit on the bench and do what? I mean, you're not going to be able to platoon him and, and he really shouldn't play shortstop. And Lindor might be back by 
Friday or Saturday anyway, so I'm not sure what the difference would have been. So to me, it's kind of like sour grapes. Like, if 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 he was a third offender, a he wouldn't have been a free agent probably. Um, DFA by two teams before he got here, and I, for the way the Indians treat talk to people, like we've seen in the history with like relievers or whoever else, they sign guys and they say who are coming in to compete for a job. They say, hey, this is a situation. You know, we just want to be fair to you and let you know this is the opportunity we have that we can give you. They talk about that all the time. So unless they just all of a sudden didn't do their due diligence and didn't tell Brad Miller, hey, by the way, Jason Kittness is coming back in three weeks and you might not have a job. I, I, I don't believe that they would, you know, not communicate that to him. So to me, it just kind of sounds like sour grapes. Yeah, I mean, I guess there is some something to that. And given that all the factors that you mentioned, Miller just doesn't seem to fit in defensively, uh, platoon-wise, or anything like that. I mean, other than the fact that he's had some hits, he has some power, and he's been a little better at the plate than some of the other options around, it, I can understand why he wouldn't be a fit, and the Indians might not see him as a fit uh, moving forward, but... You know, it's just, at the same time, you you wonder, like, having a player speak out like this, and given all that has already happened with the Indians, uh, it's, you can you can understand why uh, frustration might continue to uh, boil over for Indians fans, hearing something like that from a player, and some people were speculating, like, is it, if, if Miller's speaking out, does that mean that there are more players in the clubhouse who feel, uh, this, uh, feel a similar way? Yeah, I guess it's a good question. I mean, do they really want Brad Miller to stay around? Like, are we really convinced that Brad Miller is so important that he needed to be here? I understand Eric Stamets had a, had a rough go of it, and Max Moroff really shouldn't play on an everyday basis or however long he's been playing, I guess, but I'm sorry, but Brad Miller is not the, not the option. If they if he wants to say best players, the best player who should have been in his spot is Yu Chang. And you guys talked about this, you and Corey uh, on the Farm Report podcast. It should have been Yu Chang or even Mike Freeman, who you signed to begin with at the beginning of camp. Like you might as well just roll with him. He was already he was here early on. He probably would have understood the drill, and he was already here and got an opportunity. I. I don't know. They, I guess they were hoping for something better out of Brad Miller in the short term. But if if he said the best players aren't up, then I'm sorry, Brad. Then you're referring to Yu Chang and not yourself. If he's referring to himself, then why did the Dodgers DFA you? Why did why did uh, I don't even know where was he before? You know who DFA'd him before that? Did Tampa Bay trade him? Like you're on your third team in in two years, dude. I'm pretty sure there's 29 other teams in baseball and. They didn't give you a spot either. So, are the Indians really that bad of a team where they should be giving you a spot? It's I don't know. I mean, I uh, I guess the best thing to say with Brad Miller, which you kind of alluded to, is you just got to consider the source. I think that um, there's probably a lot going into this with the him being bouncing around the league a little bit, especially the, this year. And him probably just wanting to get an opportunity to start, and he he probably thought with all the injuries 
that have happened with the Indians that this would be a, a golden opportunity for him to get some playing time and uh, try to build up a resume uh, to go somewhere else for uh, to get a major league contract somewhere again. But uh, that didn't happen. He I, he probably is just airing his frustrations. But uh, it's just unfortunate timing with everything that's happened this off season. So. Um, Speaking of uh, transactions, though, uh, you mentioned how Eric Stamets was initially kept over Brad Miller on the roster, but that his tenure with the Indians didn't last much longer as he was sent down to as the Indians purchased the contract of the aforementioned journeyman Mike Freeman. And Corey and I talked about this at length on the Farm Report, and we both were kind of on the same page as to whether or not they should have uh, considered calling up a guy like Yu Chang or maybe even Ryan Flaherty, who I was actually still surprised that he didn't make the team out of camp because I thought that he had a – him being a veteran with uh, many years of major league experience under his belt, that he had – was a shoo-in to make the the major league squad out of camp. But uh, So I was very surprised to see Freeman over both Chang and Flaherty. Uh, Justin, what was your take on this move? I mean, I've, I think we've already talked about it. I think everybody, feel, I think everybody who's associated with an even baseball player probably feels that Yu Shang should have been up all along. So, um, I mean, I, I like Eric Stamets. I think we know that defensively he's he's good. I just don't think I, I don't think anybody should be surprised by what happened. I mean, he struck out a lot, a lot. I get it, but and I, he, he's probably better than he obviously he showed. It seems not that bad of a hitter. He just had a bad start. And then to make his major league debut, but I, I still, I mean, in the short term, I think we think Lindor is going to be back by the weekend or whatever, or we, Monday, Tuesday. There's probably no sense to bring up New Chang in the short term at this point. I would have liked to have seen him gotten those at bats out of the gate, but I guess the Indians are a team that doesn't like to send, doesn't like to bring prospects up and then send them back down if they're struggling. And they felt that Eric Stamos' clock was worth starting in the short term. I don't know. The only thing with Ryan Flaherty, too, is he's not a left-handed hitter. I guess it didn't matter because they had uh, Brad Miller, but at least at least Flaherty in the short term is a better defender. You could have thrown – you probably could have thrown him at shortstop and gotten away with it more likely than Brad Miller because I don't think uh, I don't think either of them should be playing shortstop, but I think if you're going to play one of the two at shortstop, it's going to be Ryan Flaherty, who has got a little bit more recent success playing that position. Um at least the metrics will tell you that. But either way, neither, neither, of them are, neither of them are good defensively at shortstop. But, yeah, I would have probably gone with, with Ryan Flaherty, too. So I guess we'll see how long Mike Freeman sticks around. Yeah, and uh, I, I guess the latest word on Lindor is he's supposed to come back within – the latest within the next couple of weeks. But uh, watching the videos of him in AAA, it looks like he's uh, – everything's at – if at least like eighty percent, I would say, as far as running and everything like that. Uh, so he's get, just getting back into the swing of things, and you know he hit the home run the other night. Uh, went two for four, and I think he went zero for four in, in his game today on Wednesday. So uh, I think he was DHing in that game. So he's working his way back. Uh, he'll play a few more games at least, and then we'll be reevaluated. I'm sure. Uh, once the 
team gets back to uh, Cleveland, and probably during this upcoming homestand, they might see about bringing him up. But uh, I don't know. I don't know what to make of the Mike Freeman move, just given that he's a guy who has bounced around a little bit, has had several cups of coffee in the majors, but no real like extended experience versus a guy like Ryan Flaherty who had all those years with the with the uh, Orioles and uh, I know him particularly remember him as a one of the top Indians killers in the league he has a, some pretty good numbers against the tribe in his career and I just think that uh either you go with him in the short term as a major league veteran uh, maybe bring a little bit of experience to this team. I mean, not that Freeman can't do that, but or like you said, I think that they should have been with gone with Yu Chang all along and uh, seen what he could do over the first month of the season. Great. I mean, this, this is this is my ahead. thing with Yu Chang. He he could have yeah. Sorry to cut you off. I mean, he could have they could have gotten him playing time. They could have gotten him playing time at shortstop at third base. At second base, he could have played all around the infield and given guys days off. We've talked about this. Or they could have, I, you know, I'm opposed to second in the, in the short term, I guess, because they didn't like doing it last year if they didn't have to. But he could have played, and he could have stayed on the roster if he hit. You could have found at bats for him. It's not like it was a guy you'd be like, oh, he's going to sit on the bench now. Like, no, you could find at bats for him. It's not like a career backup. If he's hitting well, there's, there's room for it to play him. Absolutely, and this was something that I go back to, and I think I've discussed it on this podcast, but I definitely did, talked about it on uh, the Farm Report this week, how the Indians are in a unique position to where they've had a lot of injuries and some unfortunate things happen with the roster, but you know they're still slated to win another division title. They're leading the division right now. They're surprisingly off to a decent start despite their uh, injuries and struggles uh, individually and uh, as a group in some areas. But what they should be doing is taking advantage of this and bringing in some of these uh, young kids like Yu Chang. And I guess Eric Stamets qualifies to some extent with this. But uh, bring them in, see what they can do, and, and reassess, see if some of these guys could help you down the line. Because if you're not going to be bringing in external help uh, via trade or free agency in the offseason, all right, let's see what you have internally and see if there's somebody who could come in and, and, and fill one of those roles and be an impactful player in one of those uh, spots that has been vacated due to the departure of some major free agents. And uh not saying Yu Chang exactly fits in that category, but he's certainly somebody who could have gotten some at-bats early on in the season and some regular at-bats, and you would have gotten a, a nice little snapshot of what his uh, what his developmental timetable looks like and when he could be uh, ready to help the Tribe in the long term. Who knows? Maybe if he was uh, up here now. I mean, I know he struggled in AAA to start the year, but... Uh, if he was up here right now, who knows? Right now, he we could be looking at a guy who has had a decent enough impact to where he might stay on the roster uh, longer than uh, some of the guys coming back from injury. He could be utility option, get some at bats here and there, maybe DH some. Uh, it's 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 hard to make an argument to me that uh, Chang couldn't be up here right now and couldn't. Uh, 
be getting those at-bats he needs to try and showcase what he can do at the major league level, which is something I think the Indians should be doing more of with some of the guys who are ready to make the jump to the majors right now, a la like Chang or Oscar Mercado or Henry Martinez or some of the other guys uh, who are ready. Maybe even going as far down as like a, a James Karinchak, who you mentioned or alluded to at the top of the show, our Farm Report Player of the Week for this week. This guy's dominating in Akron. Uh, why not call him up with the? I mean, the bullpen has been solid so far. Why not call up Karinchak and see what he's capable of? Point is that the Indians have a unique opportunity with some roster openings and uh, instability with injuries that they could. But they're still in a good position in their division and have a little bit of wiggle room to be able to uh, try and experiment with some of these prospects and see who's ready to help the team and who's not. I think we're going to have to rename the website to uh, Yu Chang Insider or James Kurnchak Insider at this point. The way, the way That's this all we've been talking about gone. since the start of the season. <laughs> or Carlos Santana. That's true. Well, Carlos Santana is... Uh, all that the Indians pretty much have right now other than their starting pitching. Surprised they're letting Mike, well, as the game's going on while we record this, Mike, Mike Freeman's batting with a one nothing lead in the top of the eighth, and I'm surprised Santana has today off, and I'm surprised he's not been sitting here. Yeah. Uh, well, they like them some Mike Freeman, apparently. <sighs> we will not be renaming this podcast to the Mike Freeman Appreciation Podcast. <laughs> Maybe maybe James Kritschek, maybe maybe uh, the Yu Chang podcast, but definitely not the Mike Freeman podcast or Eric Davis, or the Yandi Diaz or the Yandi Diaz uh, Remembrance podcast. By yeah, the way, Yandy Diaz the... just 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 Yandy Diaz just hit another home run in Triple uh, A or in, uh, not Triple A with the Tampa Bay. Uh, he's got uh, three on so far on the year. Last year we could have had a podcast uh, called "We Hate the MLB Schedule Makers" podcast. That was really <laughs> all we talked about last April and May. Yep, uh, and uh, let's not forget that the, they got back-to-back interleague series coming up in in uh, late April. So uh, uh, all interleague home stand. Uh, two in two two warm weather cities, one with a dome. Yeah. Oh, let's now not now Max Moroff is pinch running for uh, Mike Freeman, so there we go. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> after that, after that nice little side tangent, uh, we'll just call this like random rant statements. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's talk a little bit about this starting pitching staff and how good it's been, and even how bad it's been at times. I mean, we saw Shane Bieber go out there and just continue to dominate. He's got uh, a 171 ERA and four games started, a 0.81 whip. I think opposing hitters are batting like a buck 79 or something like that against him. Some crazy number like that. He's only allowed four runs on 11 hits and 21 innings pitch, six walks versus 22 strikeouts. So walk rate's a little higher than we're used to with him, but uh, still he's, Seems to be uh, implementing that uh, new changeup very well and becoming even better than we expected uh, of him so far. Easily, if he continues at this rate, easily could be the best number five starting starting pitcher in uh, all of baseball. I would I would say, and you know I think that his last start uh, was a nice uh, 
was a, was a nice snapshot of what he's capable of because he had a little bit of struggles early on, but then came back and really dominated. And if you read uh, Zach Miles' article in the Athletic, he talked about how Trevor Bauer uh, came to him in the middle of the game and really broke down his mechanics and told him, you know, what he needed to do to correct them. I guess uh, in between innings, he went up, he went up into the clubhouse into the video room. And uh, looked over the film, trying to figure out what was going wrong with him and why he wasn't feeling quite right with his mechanics. And Bauer was there and basically broke it all down for him. So future pitching coach Trevor Bauer had a little something to do with it. But uh, Shane Bieber. That's a good point. <laughs> I was just going to say, you say I know, I know Trevor Bauer only wants to sign one year deals the rest of his career. But what if the Indians say, hey, we'll, we'll sign you to a contract. We'll also make you the pitching coach. Maybe that'll entice him to – Stay here. Has there ever been like I mean, I know there's been player managers. Has there ever been like a a player pitching coach or a player hitting coach? I don't know. That's a good question. If, if not, I would like to see Trevor Bauer be the first one because he knows his stuff and hey, whatever gets him to stay. Because I think his best years are still ahead of him, which is crazy to think. Well, there's as far as mechanics, there's probably nobody better who who studies the game more and studies pitching more than the more intently than the way uh, Bauer does. So looks like he definitely helped out Shane Bieber there. And boy, Bieber, I, I gotta say, uh, I knew he was probably going to be a, a solid major league pitcher. And I'm not saying he's going to have the sub two ERA mo- moving forward. He just, he's a guy who works too much around the strike zone to be able to sustain something like that. But man, he's, he's looking pretty sharp so far this season. And, uh, the sophomore slump seems to be, uh, he, I don't want to tempt fate, but it seems to be uh, kept at bay right now with his uh, the way he's pitching. Yeah, and they need it with Clevenger being down for sure. And then, Cle- and then you know, Kraft had a down start. And Kluber, we can talk about Kluber. He's kind of all over the place right now. So Shane Beaver has been, not, I mean, he's gone from being, you know, wow, we have the best five-starter in the league, you know, because, it was a year ago where Josh Tomlin was still a fifth starter. And now you have a fifth starter who might be like, well, we talked about this, I think previously we talked about this. Shane Bieber might be like the eighth on every staff right now, minus uh, Minnesota. So, and that, but now he's becoming less of a luxury. He's becoming a necessity with Kluber struggling early on and uh, Clevenger being out for who knows how long. Yeah, exactly. Oh, they're showing Ryan Healy's uh, almost uh, home run. That was called a home run, but it turned out to not be that. But uh, <laughs> anyway, sorry, I just got distracted by that. But with Bieber, I think that uh, based on how quickly he rose through the system and the dominant numbers he put up year in and year out and at every single level, and you know he had a, a range-shortened no-hitter last year in AAA, I think that um, – all the accolades he's put up and how dominant he was. I didn't think he could get much better, but really what it boils down to for me is how, how few hits he's allowed. I mean, he's a guy who worked around the strike zone a lot. So naturally he's a guy who's probably going to get hit around a lot. He's only, he's allowed uh, almost half as many hits as innings pitched so far this year, which is incredible, very dominant. And, between that and his ability to limit home runs, and he doesn't, already doesn't walk very many batters, so if he 
gets the the hit keeps the hit total down. He's got the strikeout total right around the same level as innings pitched. I mean, you're so right on with your statement that he could probably be the ace of every staff in this division uh, outside of uh, Minnesota and, of course, Cleveland. But, uh, yeah, the Royals, the White Sox, the Tigers, he, yeah, he could easily uh, be one be their best pitcher on any one of those teams right now. So I think that uh, it's going to be fun to watch Bieber over the course of the season. And I made the prediction before the season that uh, Bauer – Clevenger and Bieber were probably going to put up better numbers than uh, Kluber and Carrasco. And right now, Bieber is living up to that. Hope Clevenger is able to work through this injury and come back healthy. But between Bieber and Bauer, though, this is, uh, this is a pair right now that seems to be unstoppable. And with Clevenger's injury, the Indians pretty much need, need them to be. And, well, of course, they need Kluber and Carrasco to step up and get past these struggles. But, uh... The Indians' rotation, even with Mike Clevenger's injury, seems to still be in pretty good shape with the uh, with Shane Bieber stepping up and being the uh, dominant pitcher he has been so far. How long until the Indians need to sign Shane Bieber to an extension? Because Bauer's not going to sign one. Clevenger's already a little bit old and he's hurt right now. And obviously, you know, Carrasco and Kluber already have their deals and are the age they are. So how soon before the Indians need to get Beaver on a club-friendly deal. Oh, they should. If they're not going to sign Lindor, they should try to sign everybody else that they could. Yeah, I mean, signing Beaver shouldn't take them out of signing Lindor. I think the whole Lindor thing is separate from anything else. I mean, I, I don't think they can afford both Bauer. And if, if they keep going the track they're on spending-wise, they're not going to be able to pay. They're not going to pay Lindor and Bauer next winter. So, yeah, I think that Bieber is the next logical option. They can probably find a way to sign him to something that they they can they feel like they can afford and should be okay for him. But who knows if he's that close to Trevor Bauer? Who knows if he advises them not to take it? We'll see. It's going to get interesting. Oh, I don't know how how much of Trevor Bauer is going to rub off on Shane Bieber here. I'm all for him doing giving him the mechanical advice, but. Uh, there's certain limits to how much advice I want Trevor Bauer to give anybody. I mean, hey, Bauer is not wrong in his assessment for how good he is, but he's his own pitcher. I don't think Bieber's out there saying he could pitch every fourth day or should pitch 150 pitches to start. So there's a little bit of difference there, but I wonder if he might tell Bieber to, you know, don't take that five-year deal worth $50 million. Wait, wait until you can get five and 70 or something but. By the time Bieber's a free agent, there'll be a new CBA. So who knows how it's going to look by then? Yeah, who knows? And uh, there might be a lot of different, lot of changes. I mean, who was the guy who just signed that really cheap, really cheap extension? Ozzy Albies. Ozzy Albies. Yeah, not yeah. great. Yeah, his agent probably should uh, have a talking to. That was not, not great. I mean, we thought Jose Ramirez was si- was signing for cheap. Oh my goodness, I couldn't believe what uh, Albies was getting. Yeah, I think someone should talk to his agent too. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the way the just go. I mean, his agent's a, a nice guy. I, I saw him on Twitter, but he tweeted something the other day about a player who signed a contract that he didn't want to sign, and I, I kind of wondered if that was about Jose, and Jose might have said I'm signing anyway. So if that's the case, you know, hey, I can't fault Ramirez for 
sake of the financial security if that was about him, but um, if it wasn't, I don't know. But happy to see Jose Ramirez at least get financial security and play in Cleveland for a long time. That's all I'm going to say. All right. <laughs> All right, so let's get back on track here, talk about the uh, rotation. And Bieber, obviously, pitching very well. Uh, on the other hand, uh, you got Kluber and Carrasco, who have struggled, although Carrasco looked very sharp tonight. Seven innings, 12 strikeouts, didn't allow a run. Very nice bounce-back effort for him. So hopefully that's uh, the return, a sign of a return of the old Carlos Carrasco, who we know is very good when he's on his game. Uh Corey Kluber, on the other hand, has been struggling a little bit. He's got an ERA of over six. Uh, he's allowed 25 hits in 19 innings, uh, 10 walks versus 21 strikeouts. So the walk rate is up. The hit rate is obviously very much up. Uh, he's allowed two home runs. And uh, I kind of said, I I don't know if, how often I said this or how often I alluded to it, but in my mind I've always thought, like, how much – of the vintage Corey Kluber does he have left in the tank, the Cy Young contending Corey Kluber. I think that overall this season he's still going to be good, but I don't know if we're going to see another Cy Young level season from him moving forward. I mean, he's north of 30 in age, and you know I think that the way the Indians signed him with his deal, I thought that, that they mapped that out beautifully because you know even if he has a couple good years in him left after he hits free agency. I think the Indians did a great job of, of uh, locking up his prime years because uh, he obviously has been very good two Cy Young awards since uh, since coming to the big leagues and with with uh, the tribe. And I don't know these these early struggles are kind of. I don't know what I call them red flags yet, but they are something to be wary of in my mind as far as what Corey Kluber's future might look like from here on out because I don't necessarily believe that the uh, that the Cy, like I said, the Cy Young contending Corey Kluber is as much of a guarantee now as it was the last several years. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to agree with you. you. Make a good point. I don't. I think it's unrealistic to expect that you're going to get. You're not going to get 2014 Corey Kluber back, and I don't know if you're going to get 2017 Corey Kluber back either. Um, I, I think there's still too much left in the tank for him to be this bad, obviously. I don't think – I I, be, I be, think it's crazy for anybody to think that he's he's going to be this bad the rest of the year. If you think that he's not going to recover to last year or uh, 2016, you know, where he was pretty good, but not, you know, not as good as uh, 14 and 17 – I think he's still going to recover. He's not the ace. I mean, he's not going to pitch like an ace. Uh, Trevor Bauer is, is your ace now. I, I you know, it, 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 as far as aces go, if he's the best pitcher on your staff, maybe from a leadership standpoint, although, hey, Trevor Bauer, you know, talking to, to Shane Vibas Mechanics, that's leadership too. Whereas, you know, Kluber leads by example and hard work. But I don't think the Cy Young lever, I'm with you, the Cy Young level pitcher is coming back, but. You know, Kluber never never blew guys away. It's not like he was, you know, throwing 90. He wasn't Salazar. He wasn't throwing 95, 96, 97 and blowing guys away. Um, you know, he threw 94, I think, uh, his Cy Young year in 2014, for the most part, 94, 95. And then it's come down every year since then. So it wasn't like he was relying on premium velocity to begin with. You know, the breaking ball just isn't, hasn't been as good, and he's relied a lot on the cutter. I think – 
I think one of the things is breaking ball and his cutter are having a little bit less separation. I could be wrong. I'd have to look into that further, but that's always been a big thing for him is that those two pitches look very similar coming out of his hand and, and um, were harder to discern for batters. And I think they're starting to lose some, he's starting to lose some of the, uh, starting to lose some of that similarity with the two. So hitters are picking up on it maybe. Um, I think you always assumed when the velocity started to regress even more for Kluber that the, the superior command and the breaking ball and the, the change up and would all play well as he aged where instead of being an ace, he'd be a, a number three starter, you know, but the walks are up and he's not locating some of that breaking stuff where he should be locating it. And then there's days where the sinker right now is leaking back over the plate and hitters are able to, kind of sit back and wait for it to leak over because they see that coming or they just recognize it. I, I think this, I really think it's a mechanical issue. It's hard for me to believe that his command is just going to fall apart like that. If his command is falling apart like that, that I, I mean, if there's a reason for, it, I have to say it's an injury. I know, you know, in years past he used to be include a pitch bat. Everyone was like, Oh, is he hurt? Like it's always ridiculous to think that every time you pitch bat, he was hurt. But, um, Velocity is one thing, but I think if, if the command is, continues to be a problem, I'd have to wonder about an injury because velocity declines all the time in pitchers. But when you start losing the command, I think that's a, a more more of a sign of something's going wrong. But So for now, I'm just going to say it's mechanical. But yeah, the, the ace pitcher is not coming back. He's going to be more of a two or a three, and the Indians can live with that for 2019 because they have Trevor Bauer and they have Carlos Carrasco and they have – Shane Beaver pitching really well. It's unfortunate they don't have Clevenger, but boy, if they had traded Trevor Bauer in the offseason and Kluber was doing this, it would be time to panic. Right, and that's what uh, brings me to my next point is I've seen this kind of chatter on social media with Kluber's struggles, probably an overreaction at this point, uh, given how early it is in the season still and the track record that Kluber has. But some people are mentioning the thought of, you know, did the Indians miss out on a golden opportunity to capitalize on Kluber's value this offseason and trying to trade him for a guy like an Alex Verdugo with the uh, with the Dodgers or uh, so, some other kind of uh, big-time prospect package or maybe uh, a major league ready, some re- major league ready talent and some prospects. Uh, do you believe that... Uh, this is an overreaction at this point, or do you think that maybe the Indians should have pursued uh, the idea of trading Kluber more and capitalizing on uh, what peak value he still had left? That's a tough, tough call. I don't know. I mean, I, I obviously the reason they didn't take the deal is because they didn't get what they were looking for. And I obviously teams didn't, probably expect him to pitch like this early in the year. Um, I also think it's fair to remember, Corey Kluber is typically not a good April pitcher. It's not like in the past he's been like this stunning pitcher in April. He's had some pretty bad Aprils in the past, so it wouldn't be crazy to think that he just turns around and don't forget the Indians brought him along pretty slowly in spring training, so he could be still working some bugs out that he probably should have worked out in spring training if he 
pitch more. I'm not saying that's true, but it's a possibility. Um, I, I'd say it's more of an overreaction. But to be fair, I, I'm you know the Indians were reportedly asking for Cody Bellinger straight up for Carl uh, for Corey Kluber, and of course the Dodgers said no. And I can't fault them for that. Look what Cody Bellinger is doing, but. Um, you also can't fault the Indians for taking less than what Kluber means to them. Um, I don't think you lower his value internally and just trade him because you want to get out before things get bad because I think he could still be a good pitcher for the rest of his contract, even if he's not an ace. But I don't know. I, I would still go against trading him just because the pitching is going to have to be what you rely on. But at the same time, like I said, if you're not going to get what you think you deserve for him or what he's been worth to your team the last several years, uh, you can't do it. Maybe the offers just weren't good enough. And I, I you, know, you know, the Indians are not a team that's going to take less value than what they, what they identify. Yeah. And I think that's a fair point. I mean, the Indians, I mean, people will talk about the Indians not being, willing to trade Kluber. I think they were willing because I think they recognized the holes that they needed to fill. And based on, you know, the payroll constraints that we have already uh, seen discussed by ownership and whatnot, I think uh, the idea of trading Kluber made the most sense uh, given what was going on with, you know, he he's not the most expensive guy on the roster, but, you know, he's, his contract is uh, getting up there and the value – dollar values are starting to go up, so if they're trying to cut payroll and trying to fill some uh, holes in the roster, then that's where trading Kluber made the most sense, and that's why I think the Indians pursued it, and I think justifiably they should. They were looking for the max value that they could get because, uh, let's face it, you know, ace pitchers don't grow on trees, and they went out there... Ex- expecting to get a King's Ransom, and they didn't get what they are looking for. Uh, now, was their asking price too high? We'll probably never know, because we probably won't know all the offers they got. It, but at the same time, you know, I think that maybe there's a little something to... Uh, maybe they could, uh, could have lowered their standards slightly and accepted, like, an Alex Verdugo trade and some other pieces... Or, uh, or maybe not, who knows, but I think that moving forward, if you're expecting to try to try this again by trading Kluber, it's going to be highly unlikely you get maybe not even the value that, uh, you, that was offered to you this past off season, depending on how he performs this year. I think he's still going to be good overall, but don't misconstrue this as saying, like, I think that what we're seeing now with Kluber, 6 ERA, and giving up hits and walks left and right, I don't think that that's going to be what we see all year. But I don't think, as I said uh, before, as we both have said, that this Cy Young ace-level pitcher that we've seen the last couple years, I just don't think that it's reasonable to expect that at this point in his career. No, but they have, you know, I still think he can be a good pitcher. Like I said, I don't think he's just going to be this bad going forward. I just think that it's going to be an issue next year if you don't have Trevor Bauer if you, in 2020. Because obviously if, if Kluber is regressing, you're not going to, you're not going to trade him this offseason. 
Yep. Uh, I don't. I don't see it happening. Uh, and the contract plays into it too. How many? How much control he has left? So, if the Indians were going to trade him this last off season, it was probably going to be the time to do it. And I guess quite simply, they didn't get what they were asking for. So, that's why but I worry. I worry going forward they won't be able to. They they'll say they can't afford. Bauer and Lindor at the same time because they they could both make a combined forty million going into the next year and if you trade Bauer then the rotation gets considerably thin given what just happened this year. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I don't want to get too deep into this because we're running out of time here. Uh, last thing I wanted to discuss uh, the replacement for uh, for uh, Mike Clevenger rather. Right now, Jeffrey Rodriguez, or Jeffrey Rodriguez, I think is how it's pronounced, uh, he came up and pitched solidly, five and two-thirds innings, five hits, two runs, didn't walk anybody, struck out three, he allowed a home run. Um, Do you think that he could be a viable replacement for uh, Mike Clevenger for the time being and uh, fit into this rotation as the number five guy? I think he probably comes back. You know, Plutko is just now starting to throw, I think, in Arizona, or it's close to it, um, if he hasn't already. So I think the Indians need a fifth starter at the end of the month, I think the 27th or 26th. So my bet, my bet is that he'll be coming up for that start. And then they've got a couple of off days after that again, so they'll continue to roll a four-man rotation um, and see what happens after that. But I I wouldn't I mean, Plucko, I mean Plucko is what he is I like I like Adam Plucko he's a great guy he's a solid six starter um, but Rodriguez has a lot has upside you know there's still a good future for him and you know you did trade a, a pretty popular player among fans and um, teammates for for Rodriguez so you might as well see what you get out of him for now I want to see him again. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I, I want to see him pitch. I didn't get to see much of him in spring training, and I didn't get to see his one start. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him come back up, hopefully, and pitch again, and hopefully continue to pitch well. Because I do believe he has upside, Look, based on the numbers and the research and looking into scouting reports on him. I think that he has a, a good arm that deserves to get a, a look at in Cleveland. Uh you know, I think that over t- in the long run, he's going to be better suited for the bullpen. But uh, for right now, seeing him in the starting rotation, it's worth it's worth getting, giving him a look right now. And uh, until Adam Plutko is ready, because since he's the more uh, he he's the the more trusted option. But who knows? By the time that Plutko is ready, maybe Jeffrey Rodriguez will prove that he is just as viable an option as Plutko. Maybe solidify himself in that number five spot, thus keeping Plutko in that depth role for uh, six starter, doubleheader type games. Um, that's what's the great thing about our early April. I mean, we complain about the schedule, but all the off days and early on in the season really allow for some unique roster manipulation opportunities as far as, especially when it comes to the starting rotation, because you don't need a fifth starter as much early on in the season as you would when you get into the dog days. No, but there's also the thing to argue is that the Indians were pretty careful about how they brought along Kuber and Carrasco in, in spring training, wanting to 
limit their workload for a long season and then pitching power in between them. So you don't have to extend them because the bullpen was kind of iffy coming into the year. Um, it sure would be nice if they were just going with the five-man rotation and um, a couple of guys, you know, those guys were getting extra off days. And, you know, there's some things in the past where they're like, oh, Kluber likes to pitch every fifth day, so we don't like to um, use the off day to, you know, push him back a day because like, he likes to pitch every fifth day. Well, given how he's pitched so far this year and, and what you need from him and, and, you know, not wanting to push these guys, if you said spring training, you want to bring them around slowly, I would – prefer they use a fifth starter and use those extra off days for those pitchers early in the season. So you have a little more room with, with them later in the year, but um, you know, I guess I get it too. Not wanting to go when you have, when you have, you know, basically five aces and or four aces and a number two um, as your five, five man rotation, I guess it's okay to do it. But if you're having a suboptimal fifth starter, but, they also threw out Josh Tomlin last year, too, and, and stuck with that for as long as they could. So I don't know. I'm not really sure what they're thinking, but if it were me, I'd like to see Cleveland Carrasco get extra off days when there's an off day and you can give a guy an extra day of rest. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand that that logic as well. So uh, I guess you could go either way with it. The Indians seem to like to go with the roster manipulation angle uh, quite a bit So and try to try to use it whenever they can, especially when it comes to keeping guys on regular starts, on regular rest, especially uh, a guy like Rodriguez they can send back to Columbus, make sure he uh, make sure he continues to get regular work out of the rotation down there, stay stretched out, especially early on in the season when they're try- you're trying to get your, uh, get your legs under you, make sure you're uh, ready for the full workload of the uh, minor league or major league season, so... So we'll see what uh, Rodriguez has to bring to the table moving forward, but uh, I think that based on where the Indians are in, as far as uh, rotation goes, I think that we could hardly complain about an, about any injury uh, given the depth that they have in their starting rotation and having Rodriguez as a uh, having Rodriguez as your next man up. I don't think is the worst thing in the world, and probably a lot of teams would. Would give a lot to be in the situation that the Indians are if one of their starters got hurt. Yeah, I mean, I, well, if Adam Plutko was healthy, I don't think we'd be having this discussion. I think the Indians would just put him in the rotation for the time being and, and let it go. But they also might manipulate some things. I don't know. I he is what he is. I they need. I mean, they need to figure out something for next year because, like I said, I got a feeling they're going to trade Trevor Bauer off season. And uh, you, know, you can't count on Corey Kluber being Corey Kluber forever, so they got to figure out something. And Adam Pluck goes out of options next year, so got to figure it out. Well, that's something for us to discuss as the season goes on, and we'll uh, we'll continue to uh, analyze this, uh, the situation with the starting rotation uh, as the weeks go on, and we we'll see how uh, the team handles things when those fifth starting spots come up, and if they continue to go with Rodriguez, if Plutko is healthy, if they go with him, we'll be sure to uh, dissect all that for you. And uh, as we speak, the Indians just won a tight one nothing game to sweep the Mariners. Carlos Carrasco picked up the win. Six from Nick Wickren. Yeah, Nick Wickren's pitched pretty well so far since coming up to Cleveland. Well, maybe and, uh, don't uh, don't buy your James Karen Shack jerseys because. Yeah, not yet. Rickard might be might be sticking around. 
Put them in your put them in your wish list. Uh, just don't order them yet. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, anyway, so uh, overall, a solid road trip for the tribe. Uh, sands that trip to Kansas City. Uh, good games in Detroit and Seattle, and now they're gonna take an off day on Thursday before heading home, and uh, taking on their interleague pro- opponents in the form of the Braves, and then the Marlins. Uh, Yes, the Marlins. I looked that logo. It looks like you notice the new Marlins logo. If you look at it really quick, it looks a lot like the the Brewers logo. That's interesting. I don't know. It just occurred to me. I was like, Wait a minute, they're not playing the Brewers. <laughs> I guess it's just the colors in the the font or something. Anyway, uh, so they got the Braves coming to town Friday. Kluber's on the mound. Uh, Saturday, you got Bauer. And then uh, Sunday you got uh, Bieber going up against Atlanta. Then off day Monday, and then I think it's a two game, two game stint against the uh, Marlins. Uh, all those pitching matchups to be determined. But uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, and then after that, uh, the you go to uh, Houston uh, for another road trip. So. Uh, thoughts on this interleague homestand, Justin? And uh, I mean, I know we kind of talked about it how weird this April scheduling sets up, but uh, you got one of the better teams in the National League and then probably the worst team in all of baseball coming to town. So uh, any uh, thoughts on that and how it's shaping up for the Tribe? Dear Lord, don't stub your toe against the Miami Marlins. It's only a few games, but uh, don't stub your toe against the Miami Marlins. They just got swept by Kansas City and they went to Seattle and swept them, even though I think Seattle, everybody thinks Seattle's playing over their heads, but they're playing well early. Um, well, they played. They were not playing so well when Indians came to town, but they were earlier. And the Braves are kind of a wounded team right now. But you know what? I'm really excited. I, I as a baseball fan, I'm excited to see Ronald Acuna and uh, some of the guys in that Braves roster because it's not a team you see all the time, and they're pretty good. And I think the next podcast, one of us needs to write down a list and. See how many players the other one can guess on the Miami Marlins, or just just write down twenty five player, twenty five names, and I'll I'll read them to you, and you can just say if that guy is like a an actor or made up, or if he actually plays for the Marlins. Because I got a feeling, <laughs> I got between <laughs> the two of us, we might get like ten or fifteen names out of that Marlins roster. So you know what? That next next when are they playing? They're playing. Are they playing uh, next Tuesday? Tuesday and Wednesday? Next Tuesday and Wednesday. Yep. All right, so next, I'm, I, we need to record this beforehand, I think, because you're, otherwise you'll get to see him. I should have done it today, darn it. But I think we need to have a contest of which, which person can name one Miami Marlins players. Okay. Next <laughs> that sounds like fun. <laughs> I Yeah, I probably could. I probably I could probably name a lot of former Marlins. I don't know how many current Marlins I can name. Let's do it right now. We, we have a few seconds left. Okay. I'm going I'm to pull up the Miami Marlins roster, and let's see if you've heard. Let's see. Let's do this real quick. Oh my goodness! I I'm trying to think like all the, the first five names I come up with in my head is like nope 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 they're all with the other all right, teams go ahead. now. Oh go my ahead. Let's see if you can. Name oh my anything. goodness! I don't even think I can name one. Uh, just Justin Bohr is no longer with the team. Uh, <laughs> JT Realmuto got just got traded. Of course, Christian Yelich is no longer with the team. Uh, 
Oh, gosh. I don't know. I'm blanking on this one. <laughs> How many... Are there any recognizable names still on, on the Marlins? There are. You want to know what? Don't don't look it up, because let, let's do this. I'm going to write down the roster from the last five years and just write down, like, 40 names, and then I'm going to name them for you, and you're going to tell me if they still play there or not. How about that? Or I'll just... I'll make up names. The next next contest is going to be, we'll, we'll pre-record it before we go in the next podcast. That way, it, it's uh, you're not getting a look at the roster when they come to town. All right, that sounds like that sounds like fun. <laughs> so don't don't look at the Miami roster over the weekend. So, well, maybe maybe uh, after you finish the farm report podcast with Corey, you and I can hop on and record a ten minute segment and see how many Miami Marlins players you think still play for the Marlins. Oh, that's that'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that sounds that sounds like fun. Uh, tune in for that next week, and uh, <laughs> you guys can, are free to play along and see uh, if you have any uh, any submissions of how many players you guess right based on uh, what Justin who Justin names. Uh, you can tweet them at us. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Jake D Baseball. Justin's at JL underscore Baseball. I'm sure all your submissions are going to be completely up on the up and up. And without any without any aid from the internet or Google or anything like that, I'm sure everybody's uh, has a, a code of honor when it comes to that kind of stuff. Anyway, uh, so uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter for that and any other uh, baseball related uh, uh, questions or prospect questions or just you just want to talk some uh, talk some baseball. We're always looking to uh, talk some. Uh, have some good baseball discussion. We always enjoy it. Um, be sure to follow the Smoke Signals account at Smoke Signals IBI. Uh, get all the podcast links and everything else related to this show or the Farm Report podcast. You can find it there. Also follow the uh, official underscore IBI account for everything related to the site as far as links, breaking news, and so much more. Uh, be sure to give that a follow as well. Justin, you got anything you want to plug? Uh, I'm still I'm finishing up with Tyler Freeman uh, feature stuff coming up soon. Um, obviously, on Mondays, check out 3 Up, 3 Down. That's my weekly prospect column. Um, I'm going to be talking about James Karinchak some more next week. Shocker, shocker. Um, I'll be at the captain's game Thursday. So as you're listening to this, I'll be at the captain's game that night. So get ready for a nice storm of uh, captain sweeps. Sounds good. Um, as for me, I'm still working on this four thoughts column for this week. It'll probably be posted. I'm still trying to adjust my balance, my writing schedule with my new work schedule. It's all being worked out, but there will be a four thoughts column this week. It'll probably be at this point. It looks like it might be on Friday. And I think that that might be how it works out moving forward to get those posts each Friday. And, uh, then uh, I'll have Around the Farm coming up this coming Friday as well. We're trying to get that schedule worked out as well with everybody as far as writing those. And uh, the other last plug I have is just for the Farm Report. Uh, did a lot of uh, James Karinchak talk this week. We talked about the roster moves with uh, why Yu Chang wasn't called up and all that good stuff. You can check out uh, Corey and I on that show and we always try to provide good prospect insight there. So... Uh, a good show tonight, Justin. Glad we were able to talk some tribe and witness a, a nice tribe win and a tribe sweep in Seattle. So, uh, 
glad to glad to talk some more tribe baseball and look forward to doing it again next week until next time for justin lotta and the smoke signals podcast i'm jake dungan and we say to you have a good one for questions and comments you can email us at smoke signals at indiansbaseballinsider.com also be sure to follow us on twitter at smoke signals ibi where you can find links to all our shows as well as poll questions and other cool podcast stuff Thanks again for listening.